millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. Welcome to the Gary Hour. This episode, we talk to Luke Krafka of the upcoming dating app and community called Kinked In. I think you can guess what that's all about. We're going to hear all about it. The philosophy behind the community, the business of building an app and a team, and uh, how you go from becoming a classical cellist to building a kink app. We're going to hear all about the journey. All right, but before we get to it, this episode is sponsored by Future Moments App Creators. Check out the apps on the iTunes App Store. Check out the apps Mic Swap, Audio Fix for Videos, and Audio Master, which uh, we use in this podcast. That's why it sounds so good. All right, check out Future Moments on the App Store and uh, enjoy this conversation some good philosophies in here and uh, hopefully some laughs. All right, check it out. Me and Luke Krafka. Okay, Luke Krafka, is that how you pronounce it? That's it. You got it. Great. So before we get into your personal story, uh, let's start with your venture kinked in that's correct kinked in like linkedin but with kinked that's in. it all right what is their elevator pitch for this it's a dating app it's gonna it's gonna be a dating app you're going to be matched uh based on what your kinks are mm-hmm. um and the way that we're building it right now we're looking to to start the alpha the alpha version of the app in the next month or so um and it's going to be we have lots of people signing up on our website now mm-hmm. And it's going to be a invite-only based app first. Because- so when, when you say kinks, yes, okay. There's two two things that pop to mind that mm-hmm. uh, here in American culture we don't really we feel funny talking about, and that's death and sex. Yes. So when you say kinks, you're talking about kinks in like a sexual. I am. The way that we define it is that it is anything outside of a straight man and a straight woman having missionary position sex. Okay. Which is quite a bit. That's quite a lot. I mean, you know, like a blowjob is mm-hmm. is a kink. And really? Actually, yeah. Well, it actually used to be illegal. Like, you know, not too long ago. When so, they actually like put a bill through Congress about... <laughs> Really? Yeah, you know, there, there, there's old bills that have been there for a long time that are that are weird and sketchy and outdated. Uh-huh. It's not it's not anymore, but uh, but yeah, it it used to be it used to be this very you know kinky thing, and now we just, it it is what it is now. Right. But uh, but that is that is how we define it, and so anything outside of that, mm-hmm. you know, is a kink. Now, obviously, you can go to the other spectrum of that as well, yeah. but. Uh, but that's that's how we define it, and that's you know it, it really opens up the whole 
gamut of of being able to put out you know there what you're into what you like and who you want to meet and why and there's a, there's things. a couple cool things about this because your background I, I read online is in cello performance correct so music and sex have always had a correlation they they do and especially um especially expression you know of of yourself right and so you know it it's funny being a classical musician because you know, I mean, I have a lot of like singer-songwriter friends and things like that, and you know, their creativity is is writing new music and things like that. In in classical music, we're playing the same pieces over and over and over again. This mostly the same way. Yeah, mostly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and to me, what what makes great musicians are the ones who who even when you're taking that piece that's been performed ten thousand times, but really making it your own. You right. know, and, and really, this is how, you know, this violinist plays it. And you can hear it right away. Oh, I know who's playing. You know, unlike, you know, when you hear 400 people play it the same way. You really get to express yourself in this piece. So this sort of individualism carried you over into... It's super important because I think it's... A, I, I don't see much of a difference between, you know, how we express ourselves in music to how we express ourselves in sex to how we express ourselves in writing or art or painting or literature i mean you're you're an individual right uh, let, let's let's get to the connection between sure. music and uh sex later but i'm for now i'm curious uh what led you to want to build this community this mm -hmm. app um you somehow have discovered because we're, we're not introduced to sex in general there's like maybe a health class and grade school at some right. point but not a very good one yeah <laughs> exactly so at some point you were studying cello mm -hmm. playing lots of classical music and then you what was your personal journey to come to this well i mean when i when i look back for instance i i knew i've always been interested and turned on by being dominant mm -hmm. and and tying people up and and all those things mm -hmm. and for you know i went to catholic high school and and you know for a long time i thought i was wrong for wanting that so you grew up with catholic parents and they i you? grew up with we went to church not catholic church but we went i think it was protestant um but we went to catholic high school like the the whole religion thing was was a part of our upbringing definitely and now no one in my family takes it seriously anymore not there's but, no they're not no. so did something happen that changed i i think i think it started with me um especially when i went when i went off to college and i started to just question everything uh -huh. you know question you know why do i believe this what do i believe what is this overarching power that's supposedly tallying up what i do right and what i do wrong and and why is what i want wrong and and especially when it doesn't really hurt anybody doesn't well yeah that's that's the whole point and you know as i as i began to live like that and express that and you know and then event my parents kind of began to do the same thing and then you know after we all left high school we were pretty much done with with the with the whole experiment and the church going and the church going and the all of it no you know we enjoy thanksgiving and christmas at home with uh, each other okay so uh you're you're born your parents are religious mm -hmm. and they want to put you through catholic school mm -hmm. all through high school all through high school the whole schooling yep all catholics we did it was it boys and girls no oh yes it was boys and girls and okay. both, both me and my brothers all did it mm-hmm so what I'm not familiar with Catholicism in like Catholic school sense. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with it on the periphery, of course. But um, what do they tell you that made you feel what you were, your desires were wrong? Well, a we we never. I mean, there was definitely no sex class at. We didn't talk about it. Not even they didn't preach abstinence. No. Or? Um, well, yes, in Jesus class they did. Jesus class. Yeah, and. Uh, which, which was the you know you go you have math you have science and then you have Jesus class and that was that was where we really get into the fundamentals of the New Testament and the Old Testament and what Jesus wants you to do and the problems with abortion and the problems with uh, premarital sex and what sex is for. And, I have a question about this. Yeah, because they didn't even have abortion Bible times. I know. 
So how is the Bible talking about abortion when there was no abortion? It uh, doesn't need. To, it was just the teacher expressing how they felt. Okay, but how does the Bible have a judgment about it in it's, general? It's a, they don't. They don't. That's I mean, as again, as you begin to question it, I mean, all arguments, most of the arguments begin to fall apart. Okay. You know, yeah. If you if you add any type of query to what's coming out of their mouths, then it, which is what I started to do in college then mm-hmm. it all begins to fall apart. Um, but when you're there and you're 15 and your teacher's telling you something, you're listening. Right, because they're the adults. Absolutely. And you're 15, you've been conditioned since you know you were five to listen to the teacher, do what they say, do your homework. You know, This is the way science and math and Jesus class is. And you, you, do, you don't question it. So you were religious when you graduated high school and you finished all this Catholic schooling, yep. you, were, you were still religious. I was, yeah, we were going to church. I was doing, you know, all the Catholic masses and was just part of the community at my high school. And and it was, it was just, it was, again, in Southern Massachusetts, we just we didn't question it. You're practicing that abstinence. Mm, well, that's towards the end of high school. No, no, no. So you were sinning, basically. Ye- well, you felt like you were. You know, it's a it's a great thing to bring up i'd say when i was 14 15 um yes that may be how i thought about it but uh after you know getting towards the end of high school i had also gone away for summer camps at music camps and things like that and had been you know exposed to other people way different other you know ideas and thoughts and different religions or um or, or just different walks of life, and and it that it all you know slowly when when you leave that setting there and then come back to high school, it's you know you're a different person, you're right. changed, and so the old pillars of what's right and what's wrong, you know, you you begin to use your mind right and and think about it, yeah, and and question it, and what is right and what is wrong, and if it's wrong. Why do I have this, you know, why do we have these desires? Well, I imagine growing up with these sorts of beliefs and doctrines, it's deeply impressioned upon you that even though you've changed now as an adult, it's more of an intellectual change. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you still battle these things of your childhood of like maybe you intuitively or knee-jerk reaction go to think, oh, that's bad or you feel some guilt? What? The answer is no. What I do have is empathy for people who do. Okay. Yeah. You know, because y- I get it. Mm-hmm. I've been there. You know, and, and you know, for instance, I can't tell you how many people I've met who, who think that, and we're talking about grown adults, who think they're wrong for being in defeat. Mm-hmm. You know, and how bad, and it's just, I'm just disgusting. For finding the human foot attractive. For, for finding, yeah. And, and, and part of me gets that, mm-hmm. you know? Well, how deep does uh, the repression of these desires go in the Catholic school? He, again, the, in terms of, in terms of my Catholic school, because I can't speak for all of them. Right. Um, in terms of my Catholic school, sex and we never talked about, I mean, we barely talked about sex. So getting into kink was, you know, never going to happen. Right. Um, but it, they did address abstinence. They did. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, a, it was an important part of the religious, you know, the religious class that, that we had. Now, was it no sex before marriage? Yeah. Now, most of the school didn't follow that. But, um, but that was definitely what was being taught and what was being preached. And I think everyone you know had to had to find their own way why is it a sin to not have sex before marriage to have sex before marriage you know if i were to look at at the bible i'm sure it and you go back into history back into those times it has a lot more to do with viewing women as currency and being able to you know sell them off to other people for you know you can marry my daughter and then i'll get all these you know this land and i'll get this oh so if she's a virgin it's more uh, yeah exactly still in the package exactly rather than like a used car or something that's been driven yeah exactly <laughs> once it's off well, the lot, but then, <laughs> and then you know it devalues so yeah so you know there's 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 that aspect of it um i i think a big part of it is control you know, mm-hmm. 
if you really look at any religion that's telling you what you can and can't do, there is an aspect of control and wanting to control your people and your population and, uh, and, and pushing down these desires rather than living presently with them or enjoying them as long as it's, you know, consensual. I mean, that's, you could, and it, I'm sure it's not just sex. You know, if you looked into other, you know, possible areas, I'm sure they, there are many ways in which religion does that. So your parents were religious when they were putting you in the school? We went to Protestant uh, church every week. But they changed at some point. It's not like they went to college and were exposed to different ideas. They were already adults. Well, it's a, it's a funny thing. Yes, they did. Um, I th- Looking back on it now, I think that they thought, I don't know how, like especially as a kid, I don't know how seriously they took religion, but I, I believe they thought that having that structure for us and having the lessons of the Bible would be really good for me and my brothers, right. you know, to have good moral values, you know. Did they grow up going to Catholic school? Yeah. Uh, they, my dad, uh, had a religious upbringing. My mom did not. Okay. My mom went to Baptist church growing up, and my grandmother obviously still goes to church every week. Right. Um so did something happen? Did you have this conversation as a family saying, hey, we're all not going to church anymore. What's going on? No, what it was was I kind of had a rebellion moment where uh, I, it was Easter or something, and I was home from college, and my mom said, okay, we're all going to go. And I said, I'm not going to go tonight. And my mom, no, no, you're you're going. It's Easter, like or, or whatever it was, Good Friday or something. The music stopped on the stereo. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> everything stood still. <laughs> and my brothers were, you know, because I'm the oldest, and so they were. What's going on? All you heard was, <gasps> <laughs> and and uh, and I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to go. And and my mom was not happy um, because she wanted, you know, the families together. You're home from college. We should all. And they went, and I didn't. And I don't think my dad really cared. And, uh, and, but my mom did, and we, we slowly began to, to, you know, broach the subject. And I had, I had started reading a lot more. I, I, I mean, to me in college, when I was reading a lot of Christopher Hitchens, that's when I really started to mm-hmm. question everything. Um, and I was beginning to have these conversations with my mom about it. And then I had her read some of his books. And Ooh, she was open to it. She, I have two wonderful parents who mm-hmm. are open to I mean, you know, when I started a kink-based dating app, my mom was our first small investor. Really? So, yeah, she's just a wonderful human How being. does a conversation like that go? <laughs> I, like, just just watching, like, a, a very vanilla sex scene with your parent is mm-hmm. horrifying. It, 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 uh, how does that go? I was just honest about it. And, and I didn't, I don't talk to them about... Yeah, but how do you approach it? Do you approach it from a... Uh, like a financial perspective as far as like a business or you pro- promote it as like a, a reason we want to do this? You know, and I think and I think that's a thing about the company itself is that I was really enrolled in the context and the values of what we were creating right? and how I wanted to express myself and hopefully allow other people to do the same thing. Cool. Well, from knowing your background now, I would see why you would feel passion towards the cause of... Yeah. Well, uh, you know, leaving some people's repression, self-expression, mm-hmm. you know, and and allowing people to express themselves for who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I in my personal life that d- d- me and and having and having you know happiness, it's the two are interlinked. You so know? this is is this how you proposed it to your mom? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I can I hear this conversation. <laughs> I I came home. She, they live up in. Uh, my dad lives in Providence. My mom lives up in uh, in about forty five minutes west of Boston, and uh, Emma, my girlfriend, was with me. and And Emma knew, obviously, knew I had been working on it for some time, and we were getting the web- website ready. And, and your mom's in Texas. No, my mom's in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, I, she's west I of Boston. Said, oh, Boston. Yeah. They said Austin. Okay. And uh, and and I sat down with her and and just you know said, "Mom, I'm starting a kink based dating app," and. Uh, and a, a lot of changes that, you know, my parents got separated and my mom did a lot of soul searching and, uh, she started, you know, meditation and all. So a lot had happened between most know. mom's response would be, what is a kink based dating? App? Yeah. 
she she was she was confused at first, but um, but the the wonderful I mean the thing the relationship that I have with my mother is that it was always really important to her that we you know growing up try all the sports try all the music try all the art classes go do dance classes see if you're a ballerina just expose you to all kinds everything of stuff. and find what you're passionate about and go for it right you know and and i had done that with cello you uh-huh. know i've been playing all over the city and touring and doing all kinds of stuff and and it's her it's one of her proudest you know achievements that she's able with me and my brothers to be able to help us find who we are and uh and not just get into the the monotony of of work but you know being passionate about what your work is that's a really interesting approach as a parent because i feel like a lot of parents just want their kids to be healthy mm-hmm. and taken care of yeah like that's that's the main thing and maybe that's primal i don't know I don't, i'm not a parent but my parents are both singers Okay, and so uh, and they met out at Tanglewood, so we went out to Tanglewood every year, um, and I was obviously exposed to all that music at a young age. But um, you know, my mom is was a choral singer and a choral director now, and so all her life she's been doing things that have been important to her, right? You know, and really stepping in with both feet and going for it. Mm-hmm. And and as a mother, I think she saw that as one of the most important things she could give us do you feel like that was an evolution that came to her a little bit later in life that maybe when she was a younger mom she just wanted you to be good and be have a roof over your head when we were younger no i think that's part of who she is it is that's amazing yeah because i mean for instance my my younger the middle brother um you know we're not a sports family and my brother ended up you know going to a d1 school for football Mm-hmm. And that's because my mom, you know, you want to try wrestling? You want? I mean, he's 6'5 and 300 pounds. And she's like, you want to try this stuff? And he said, yeah. I guess I find it a little anomalous that she would have this uh, approach to parenting, but then send you to Catholic school. Like, why not send you to public school where you can, and then expose you to different religions after a school? A few things. One, the education was top-notch at okay. the private Catholic school. Um, and it was in a financial bracket that we could afford okay. at the time. We were, we were middle class. Right. And, uh, and so I think that was the most important thing. And then the fact that we had gone to church, you know, every week since we were kids and that this would, this would not be something new to us. It would just continue, you know, be comfortable, have fun. You know how this goes, you know, focus on your grades, do some sports, meet some people. Mm-hmm. I think that was really uh, the thing behind it. I don't look at my parents as God fearing, you know, people. Uh-huh. Um, it was, it was, it was part of our life. Um, but you know, so was music. Right. You Big know, part of your life. They're both singers. Part of my life. Yeah. And, and they, they, you know, we would, one of my mom's favorite pieces is the Brahms Requiem. You know, Brahms did not believe in anything. And she knows that. So when she conducts that, that's, you know, where she has to go as a musician. And so she's, she was not, you know, turned off to all of it. Right. But it, it was a part of her upbringing. And when you are around that community, you, as a kid, you pick up certain things that are right and wrong. And I know a lot of kids that are raised uh, with that religion, they're kind of shielded. Their parents shield them from different things. That they they just they don't want to expose their kids to right. anything outside of that mm-hmm. those religious tenets, mm-hmm. and then you know the kids are going to find it later in life. They do. They're going to have to deal with it at some point. Mm-hmm. Were your parents like that, or no. were they they weren't like that? At nope. All? Uh-huh. Nope. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Read as much as you can. Read whatever you want. They wouldn't see a book and be like, "This is garbage, Absolutely trash, not. blasphemy." Get Absolutely it not. Read the book and tell me what you think. Let's have right. a conversation about it. Make your own decision. Absolutely, because they did. Mm-hmm. You know. They did. Well, it's really kind of ancient with the Vatican trying to suppress scientific findings. Still, well, it happens a lot. Still, right? <laughs> you know, um, no, they were not. They were not on board with that at all. And uh, they were, in, in terms of people who go to church all the time, <clears throat> they were probably the most liberal of people who go to church all Sounds the time. It. When uh, a funny story when we when we were going to the Protestant church, it was. Um, at first, a very fun, family-friendly place to be. And then it started to get a little more radical and radical. 
um, as time went on. The church did. The church did. And my parents were, we'll still go, but, you know, let's keep an eye on things. And there was one class, I believe I was in sixth grade, Mm -hmm. where um, the Sunday school teachers were very much against abortion. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to enroll us to all hold hands and sing song in front of the abortion clinic and, you know, detract people from going. Yep. As a kid. And you were how old? Twelve years old so you don't even understand get it the concept <laughs> no idea yeah. isn't that kind of textbook uh, uh, brainwashing yeah, this is the <laughs> thing and so then my mom said nope we're done boom and we left and two weeks later we were at a very relaxed lutheran church that you know and it was one of those lutheran church that openly you know had had gay people there had straight people there had families had single it didn't matter they just said you're all welcome and let's just you know do the work Okay, so she did have a brush with religion before denouncing it completely. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think, a big problem with uh, some religions is how they just want to just not, they want to censor all other ideas that don't support the beliefs. And that's, that's what we were, well, I should say we because I was a kid. That's what they were beginning to see. Right. And um, because, again, my parents are very, very liberal you know, all the way growing up, abortion is fine and is a right. It's a hard decision, but it's a right that you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, same thing with gay. My mom was in a choral conductor. All of her friends were gay. Right. All of her male friends were gay. Yeah. And she's saying, well, you're telling me they can't get married because why? Um, or that, that they're, they're sinners. Or, or that they're sinners from birth, <laughs> yeah. you know, for who they are. Like, that, does, that doesn't make any sense. So she very openly... Uh, uh, questioned tenants of it and said, no, we're no, that's crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were still at church every week. Did any of your brothers stay religious? No. They all? Whole family. Do you label yourself as a agnostic or atheist? Um, what do I label? I, haven't, I don't really think about it. I label myself as, I mean, I'm, I'm someone who believes in in meditation and believes in the self so not a higher power no but just i think you are your own higher mm-hmm. power do you are is everything connected or you can do you believe in some sort of energy or you know i believe is a big word i'm open to all of it uh-huh i'm, I'm absolutely open to all of it i know how important you know things like meditation are to me and and the the clearness and the feeling that I have during and after, um, and when when you read literature about it, that bliss state that you get into, I kind of begin to understand I'm, what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. I can't explain it. I don't know if it's a higher power or lower power. If everything's connected, <laughs> if everything's not connected, and I don't want to put in the amount of energy it's going to take to find out. Right. Um, but yeah, isn't it okay to not know something? That's, that's the best thing. I like that. <laughs> it's a, it, and it it should be encouraged. Yeah. I don't know. Imagine and, if you knew everything and you knew what everything tasted like and what everything sounded like. You'd be bored boring, by the time you're forty five. <laughs> boring. I just you know embrace embrace the I don't know and and. You know, and looking back, you know, having my mom throw us into everything, you know, mm-hmm. just, I don't know what you're going to like. You're your own human being. You're not, you're my kid, but you're your own person. You know, let's, let's figure out who you are. Right. Um, and, 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 and in doing that, you know, I look at, I look at the, the job they did and I'm, I'm very thankful. They're good people. This is, this is great. Cause this is giving us an idea of, the inspiration behind Kingdon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you went to your mom and you mm-hmm. said, I have this idea. I have this idea. Um, I had gone to her with, with things before. Hey, mom, I'm moving to, out of nowhere. Hey, mom, I'm moving to New York. Uh, Going to go figure it out. I'm bored with Boston. And she was like, uh, okay. And then came down here and did. Um, hey, mom, I'm leaving You know, my regular job. And I'm going to be a full-time musician. I'm going to start my own chamber series. And uh, okay. And, and I did. And, and, you know, there is this history. So she, she supported you, but trepidatiously a little she bit. She supported me and said it's going to be hard, and you're not going to like certain aspects of it. But you know, if this is you're a grown man, if this is what you want to do, go do it. Right. You know, you're only going to live once, so figure it out. Right. Um, and this was no different. 
Um, and at this point, I feel, you know, because I'm 32 now, uh, when I go to her and say, I'm going to do something, she says, great, because she knows I'm going to do it. Right. And, uh, and so when I came to her and said, this is what I'm doing, this is, because I was, I was, you know, auditioning for, I was thinking of getting a doctorate in cello and maybe becoming, trying to become a cello professor somewhere. And I was just looking at it and it, it just, it wasn't vibing with me. It wasn't, it, you know, I, I, for about a year Mm -hmm. I was going for it and, and I was like, you know, do I, is this what I really want or is this just what I'm supposed to do? Right. Is this the, the quote unquote next step you're supposed to take after you finish your master's and yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But you didn't feel passionate enough? <sighs> about the cello. Yes. Right. Um, about doing some kind of doctorate and looking for a professorship somewhere, you know, just no. Because everything you do, when you take something on, there's going to be huge sacrifices mm-hmm. that are really going to tell you if, if you really want to do this or not. Mm-hmm. You know, because the people who get them are the ones who are willing to make the sacrifices to get, to get it done. And reality will have a way of peeking through. It certainly does. Um, and, and that's the fun thing about jumping with both feet is you get to see. Is this what I want or should I back away? Right. And I realized that that... When you say jumping with both feet, you mean just like really immersing yourself to seeing if it's something you want to do rather than just like dallying, dilly-dallying in it a little bit. Yep. Let's take, teach, let's take lessons with the teachers who teach at the schools. Let's go and see what needs to be done. How much do I need to spend? What's it going to look like? Um, how many years do I need to put in? What are the realities of where I can get a job and how I can get a job and how much is it going to cost and or how much I'm going to get paid? What's my quality of life going to be? Um, it's interesting. It's almost things. like... Like you could date a person one time a week and kind of never really know how you jibe. So you can end up dating for years, mm-hmm. only seeing each other one time a week. Yep. But then if you spend lots of time together, you realize, oh, it's not. You spend work. one full week together, then right. you realize. <laughs> You've saved yourself years. Oh, hey, one. <laughs> Who are you? I'm out of here. So that's kind of a philosophy <laughs> that you have. I think it's important. Yeah, that it, I mean, it really is like a philosophy of life to mm-hmm. be like, well, you know, I'm interested in this to really find out if it's going to stick. I'm going to immerse myself 100% in it. Well, and I, I really believe that if you, if you want to build something that's important, there are going to be sacrifices that you have to make. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, if you want to be a good cellist, you have to practice a lot. Right. And if, and if you want a job as a cellist, you have to take tons of auditions and lose a lot of them. Um, and that's just part of the deal. And are you willing to put in the time and effort and concentration and discipline, you know, rather than going out and hanging out on Facebook or going out with friends all the time? Or, you know, are you willing to go to practice boot camp for a summer rather than the beach? Right. It, there are sacrifices. Um, but if it's worth it, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. You're you know, doing what you love. You're excited. Yeah. Yes, I'd love to spend eight weeks at during boot camp. Right. And, you know, practice all day and be, you know, immersed in this whole thing. It You're tired at the end, but it, it almost is like vacation, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, that is something that I believe in. That if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna decide to do something, jump in with both feet. And if you're wrong at, and you don't want to do it, at least you know. 
And, and you haven't wasted time, well, too much time. No, not too much time. Right. At least you know what you, you have been don't dating. want. You haven't been dating once a week for years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so you told your mom you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And she must have asked. She said, she said, what about the doctorate thing? You know, what's going on with that? And I explained to her why I didn't want to do it and what was coming up for me and and my thoughts about where I didn't want to be spending my time. Um, and then I sat down and talked to her about, you know, why not so much the, the sexual expression itself for me personally, but, um, why this is important. And I, and I want to build something that allows people to express themselves for who they are. I feel like some moms would be like, oh my God, he's giving up music to become a pimp. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and she, she thought about it for a minute and she thought, you know, you know, all the judgments and yada, yada. And then she's like, you know, it's, it's just sex. Like, you're right. It's, it's just sex. She must have asked you follow-up questions. You know, not, not too many, to be honest. Um, because again, I, I had, I had set up that, uh, that, that demeanor with her that, you know, if I, if I jump in with something, I'm going to do it. Right. And, and, you know, I explained to her the value system and the context behind why we're doing it and what we want to build and why this is important to me um, and how it can help other people. And uh, at the end of our conversation, she said, okay. And then she wrote me a check. She said, I'll be your first investor. Here you go. Wow. Yeah. And she's a, she's, a, she's a music school teacher, so it was for a small amount, but she was our first investor. When you were telling her this, did you include that you wanted to you know, alleviate people of their repressions, make people feel accepted. I said, I want to leave the world a little bit better than I found it. Mm. And I think, I think this is, I think music is very godly of you. Oh, yeah, exactly. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, music is one way to do it. Um, and this is one way to do it as well. Right. Um, I, I, I never got into the conversation of, you know, when I was a kid, I thought I was wrong for being into BDSM or being, you know, wanting to be dominant and dominate a woman or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I got into, you know, the, the, the bigger context of it as to, you know, people realizing that they're not wrong and they're not dirty and they're not bad for being what they're into. And they can find someone who is into the same things there are. And when you do, you know, life is really cool. Right. Um, do you feel? I'm um, obviously society's changing. Mm-hmm. You could see the culture changing a little bit. A lot, yeah. Um, what was that movie? Gray, Thirty Shades of Gray, Fifty Shades of Gray, Fifty Shades of Gray. Mm-hmm. I've heard. I, I have never seen it, but I've heard some people say it. It kind of uh, speaks badly of people with kinks. What it what it does or shames them. Yeah, I never read the books, but I saw the movies. Um, and the impression that I got was that, excuse me, um, the lead male character, uh, had something happen early in his life, you know, that he was abused or something. Right. This is why he is who he is. And, and to be honest, you know, in terms of sex, like I was watching and I enjoyed watching the things he was, you know, tying up the women too, Mm -hmm. but that's that's always been with me we should add that it's all consensual it's all consensual yes. <laughs> everything is consensual and there's a, there's a lot of rules mm-hmm. and agreements and agreements it's it's one of the core things we talk about kinked in and enthusiastic consent mm-hmm. that not just a yeah i guess maybe but a i don't mean to swear but a, a you could swear and i fuck yes let's do this yeah you know let let get it on mm-hmm. and uh and so, you know, the the thought that you are into these things because something bad happened to you as a kid, that's not my story at all. Right. I had a wonderful family and great parents and a loving upbringing. And I also like to dominate women. Consensually. Consensually. <laughs> Always consensually. Moving forward, everything I talk about me is consensual. <laughs> so, uh... When, how long have you been uh, doing Kinked In right now? We started talking about it, uh, and I should say, um, my content director Ryan, uh, my girlfriend was involved in the beginning of it, but she's writing her pilot. She's a comedian, Emma Tattenbaum, fine. She's doing her thing. Cool. Um, but uh, um, Ryan, my content director, and I started talking about it roughly a year ago, 
and started to just lay down some of the groundwork of what this would look like. And because we didn't want to just just make an app. It started with your idea and then you went to... So the, the starting point was my girlfriend was writing her pilot and uh, in the, the, and the pilot is very pro-sexuality, pro-kink, pro, you know, a lot of things. And, and she came up with the, the name at, and, you know, this, this uh, kink app that's out there called Kinkden. And, and I was reading that and I thought, you know, what if, what if we actually did, and this is when I was finishing up with the doctorate thing and realizing that's not what I wanted. Right. And, and I looked at that and, and that really piqued my interest. And I said, what if, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. What if we, you know, let's do some research. What if we ran this with this thing? And so uh, Emma was friends with uh, Ryan and we sat down and started to map out some ideas and you know just just conversation so emma came up with the name emma came up with the name nice. yeah it was it was part of her pilot mm-hmm. you know and uh you got your first uh product placement hey <laughs> if you know, pilot gets made <laughs> we actually uh we were talking about that yeah that's great <laughs> so um and so we we all started to sit down and talk about it and uh and and really laying the the groundwork and what i mean by that is you know, I don't, you know, just a dating app is a dating app is a dating app. You know, you're not going to reinvent the wheel. Right. But if you have a great value system, you know, and, you, and you're and you really grounded in not what you want to build, but why you want to build and mm-hmm. how you want to build it and how you want to cultivate this community, um, that's something that really interests me because we're talking about something that's a little, you know, higher up than than just... Yeah, we're gonna match you, and then you're on your own. Right. You well, know? you have a you have a bigger philosophy. We do. Yeah. We do. And it it took it took a long time, you know, to really ground that in what what do we all agree on? What does this look like? Um, how do we want to build this? Uh, I interviewed probably twelve people, CTOs, in terms of like people who are interested in building stuff and yada yada yada. And um, one one of the things that that I didn't want was uh, was to have the whole core team be all white people because I thought it's important that if we're getting different aspects of 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 different lives and different you know mm-hmm. you know for Ryan Ryan's gender binary and then Alice came on and now you have this person of color who you know comes from a completely different background than I do and has mm-hmm. a completely different way of looking at things and and kink and sexuality and is on board with the value system a hundred percent, but just brings a different eye to it. And that was really the idea behind our advisory board too. So you try, you were trying to consciously trying to put together a diverse. Oh, it's, it's, if, if you're going to do it on the, in my opinion, you have to live it and be an example of what you're talking about first mm-hmm. before you start telling everyone else to do it. Right. You know? And so I, I knew that if we were going to build something like that and I didn't have the insight of someone who sees something, you know, differently than I do, yeah. that, uh, we were missing out. Totally missing, we're missing out. out on the opportunity. Um, so how does this help in terms of, do you call it an app or a community? Right now, we are building a community. Okay. The um, app's not launched yet. That's not launched yet. No. Okay. Um, Do you have a date that it will be? We're looking at hopefully sometime in May, maybe in June. Okay. So within the next month or so. Cool. Yeah. And uh, on iOS only to start. And then mm-hmm. a few months later, we'll do Android. Um, but it was it was important to me to be as radically inclusive as possible. Because I don't see many companies or apps, when we talk about dating, when we talk about sex, when we talk about connection, looking at that at all. Mm-hmm. And what if we did? You know, what is it going to, I don't know. What is it going to look like? Um, but we're doing our best to make sure that that happens. And the from the advisory board, the insight that we're getting, you know, from, uh People who are, you know, doctors in sex and sexuality and uh, uh, people who run uh, kink weekends for uh, just colored people or people of color. And, uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite ones was, uh, you know, something I would never think about. How does our app 
uh, cater to people who are physically disabled. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I had never thought of that in, you know, I was sitting there writing the values, blah, 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 never thought of that. Yeah. Would never have thought of it. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden we have an advisory board member who's, this is what they do. And they're bringing this up and talking about it. And I said, oh my God, how, how do we do that? And we're not going to, I don't want to put all this out there and say that we're going to get it perfect. But we're going to do our best. Well, that's the great thing about an app is you can keep updating it. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant evolution of yes, something. Yes, it is. I saw on your website you have Dr. Jana on yes. your advisory board. Mm-hmm. And she was a guest on the podcast. Uh, she's great. Yeah. And Wonderful. she comes from sex. She's an NYU professor. Yes. So she comes from a very comes to sex from a very scholastic view where certainly does. I was kind of taken aback by it. Mm-hmm. And it did open my mind. I was like, whoa, this is like a study for her. Yeah. Very uh, scientific. Mm-hmm. That was kind of interesting to hear. Well, and this is the thing. It's, it's you know, I know how I think and how I view things, and I feel somewhat grounded in that. But that's me, and that's my mm-hmm. experience. Right. And, you know, if you can bring in a core group of people who, of all varying different backgrounds, and and you know, bring it together and, and cater as much as we can to... Uh, to everyone that we can think of, I, I, I it's not something that's been done, mm-hmm. and I think it's important. So, what's the big? I mean, are you launching it here in New York? I mean, mm-hmm. building a community is a big endeavor, big project. So, how do you do it? Do you start locally? Which yes, is, you're starting local, mm-hmm. just here in New York. We're gonna be, we're looking to launch uh, specifically here in New York because a few reasons. One is that we've had people from all over the world begin to sign up on the website, mm-hmm. but it's hard, you know, if you're in Australia and you sign on and there's three people in your area on the app, that doesn't make for a good app. Right. So um, we're starting, you know, city by city. We're starting here in New York City. We're taking on uh, people who are signing up on the website. We're going to be sending out applications soon. And we are intentionally starting small. Mm-hmm and growing the community through our application process. And uh, for instance, we don't want you know more than 50% men on the app. We don't want more than 50% white people on the app mm-hmm. as we grow. Um, you know, we want to create this community that's different and vibrant and, and uh, a lot of them having had experience in kink and understanding consent and understanding, you know, all those things, and then grow that way mm-hmm. and really cultivate the community that way. So we are as inclusive as possible. A lot of dating apps, at least when they start, there's a lot of fake profiles mm-hmm. to make you feel like there's a huge community. Mm-hmm. How many fake profiles will you guys have? Well, it's a, it's a good question. You know, right now, if they're going to get a fake profile, they're going to have to s- click and sign up through our website and then fill out an application. No, I mean like fake profiles put out by the company. Like when Bumble started, oh, for not- example, I was so many people are saying there's so many fake profiles. Oh, really? It's like women that don't exist. No, we're not. We're not. Well, that's that's why we're starting small. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're not looking to get as big as humanly possible as fast as humanly possible mm-hmm. and that's that's that balance problem you know that i was just talking about that uh that you know as we if if we end up having you know let's say a hundred thousand applications come in and seventy thousand of them are men mm. twenty thousand people are going to have to wait right you know and that's that's how we're doing it can people sign up as uh couples yeah well you can sign up however you want okay mm-hmm. we're not we're not telling you you're everyone's a grown adult we're not going to tell you how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so no fake profiles on your end. No, we don't. We haven't even discussed it. Okay. No, good. we have no intention, and you know, we're not going to launch uh, until we feel we're we've got the community ready to go. Mm-hmm. You know. So what do you tell the people that are signing up from Australia? Come to New York. Come to New York. You know, we are we are building. We hope to expand as soon as possible. Um, and obviously, if you sign up, we're going to send you you know emails about what's coming up and how we're building and how we're growing. And uh, you know, here are some fun things that are going on in the states. And eventually, yes, we'd like to go international and and you know be an onboarding ramp for anyone who wants to express themselves and find people in their 
whether it's locally or if they're traveling or whatever whatever that looks like um but if we're if we're gonna you know really build this the right way we have to build it our way mm-hmm. and uh and and be honest with people who are signing in for australia we're not going to be there for a while is the app already coded and built it's coded it's uh we're testing it we're you know taking some of the bugs out making sure it's all it's all good and ready to go and uh and then we'll be releasing it and then a few months later the android as well nice how did you work it to you is your developer someone that you just hired or is he part of the team part of the team okay part so of the team equity oh yeah M- me ryan and alice are all splitting equity okay. we're all the three of us are in this together and one ryan or alice is the coder Alice is the coder. Ryan is the content director. Nice. Ryan's the one that brought together the whole advisory board. Ryan's the one who's been working on the uh, community accountability team and how we take care of aftercare and in, in case some type of abuse happens or something like that. And right. uh, and Alice um, is a fantastic coder who's passionate about what we're building here. How'd you find her? I know you met Ryan through your girlfriend, right? Alice was through. I was sitting down with you know perspective cto after perspective cto and you basically so who else you know who do you know who do you like and and one day i had interviewed a bunch of people and then i just finished teaching cello um and uh alice reached out and said hey my friend told me you're building this app this sounds really cool can i come by and talk to you cool and i said yeah and she came in and uh, she had all these napkins. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? She's like, well, here's my thoughts and here's my ideas of how we would do this. She has sketches on she them. She had sketches ready to go. And, uh, and I said, you know, you know, no one's come in with napkins before and, uh, and show me what they want to do yet. And she said, well, you know, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And J.K. Rowling started her whole thing on napkins. Yeah. And I said, you might be our person. Yeah, let's, that's great. <laughs> let's sit down and talk. How did you find prospective CTOs? Was there a website you were using to find prospective ones? Oh, no, were... it was just conversation. Conversation with people, and you, let, you, you just put it out to people yep. that you're looking for CTOs. Yep, we reached you... out with a consultant of mine, Steve Dean, who, uh, who uh, works with lots of different dating apps um, and consults with a lot of them. And uh, I put the word to him, you know, what we're building, and uh, if he has any people in mind and then he pointed me towards a few people who pointed me towards a few more people Mm -hmm. and then through that process of just hustling and meeting people you know you you find what you're looking for analysis is it are there i mean we all know about tinder and bumble and things Mm -hmm. but are there how many dating apps are there 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 is it a flooded market for kink for well just in general, but also for kink, is there uh, is there another one? Oh, there's a few. Um, Whipler is one. KNKI is one. Vanilla Umbrella, okay. um, definitely. Um, so what what did you see lacking in these? Mostly, um, I'll start with the big one: community accountability uh-huh. and and aftercare. And if uh, because if we're talking about you know when we were discussing, are we are we just an app or are we we building a community right how do we take care of our community um and and what if something happens um is it just you know i've seen plenty i don't want to i'm not gonna say her name names but i've seen companies or apps who are just you know hands off and while while you know legally we're not responsible for anything that happens what we can offer is is aftercare and we have a community accountability team that has lots of trauma-informed experience and can can you know point people in the direction hopefully that they that they need to go in to get the care that they need and uh and i it's it's not it's a hard subject to talk about and broach but um it's something that happens and i i think it's important that that while it's we don't have a perfect answer Mm -hmm. that we're doing something have you thought of maybe verified profiles like Airbnb where people have to give their government ID? We have, um, I mean, right now it's just email-based. We haven't verified profiles yet. Um, I mean, you really don't have to. There's no. tons of dating apps that they just link you up and the rest is on your own to be responsible yeah meet in a public place. Well, and it, it, important things like that, yeah. you know, you know, have, have, coffee first get to know the person you know just just the normal things that you would have to go through um and uh the other thing is that if we do find 
uh, people who are abusive or people who are getting complaints, you know, you're out. Right. You know, that's just you're you're not. We have guy. We we have values here about right. being part of of this community that we're building, and you know, one of them is enthusiastic consent and how important and sexy and you know all those things are that it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if we find a couple people aren't willing to live by those guidelines, you know, well, then you'll find another app. And talking to people about this uh, venture you're mm-hmm. on, yeah, you must have gotten some judgments, some mm-hmm. blowback from people, people treating you strangely, and you th- you realizing on some level that wow, they're treating me a little differently now. Maybe, uh, I don't really care. Because in, in a way, you're kind of coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, it. I know, especially when I started, because I play with various, like I play with the chamber orchestra and I have my series. And so I have lots of like music friends and things like that. And uh, when I was talking about it, it's, I'll be honest, what I didn't get a whole lot of, of dour judgment. Mm-hmm. What I got was a lot of interest. And what I mean by interest is, you know, oh, what is this? What are you talking about? And one of the things that I do believe is that everyone, in my opinion, may be a little bit kinkier than they think they are mm-hmm. um, if they have the place and the opportunity to express themselves. And so, to be honest, I have not gotten a whole lot of negative feedback you know at worst i've gotten a well that's interesting not my cup of tea but hey party on um people look at you like wow that luca he's kind of a freak you know maybe behind my back (laughs) Uh (laughs) um but but no no i have i haven't gotten that and and it, it may be willful blindness you know because if if they did, and you know, maybe I am. What, whatever. Right. I, I'm at this point. I love who I am, and I'm comfortable with that. Well, I noticed your dad did not invest. No, he didn't. <laughs> no. Is there a reason for that? Um, just it not his cup of tea. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense. If yeah. you want to invest in something. Yeah, not his cup of tea, and I, I love him just as much. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, he's a farm boy from Iowa who works really hard doing his thing, right. and. And, uh, and it is, it's, it's not a problem. I'm not gonna, my, my goal is not to get, you know, my family and friends to invest in that. My mom happened to, you know, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, again, it, it comes back to consent. Like it's okay. Right. It's okay. Is this some, for some people, this is your thing. And for some people it's not. And and there's no pressure to do or be anything that you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing that you're not completely 100% comfortable doing. So you're really just, this is all a philosophy of acceptance. Yeah. You know, as long as people are doing things that they're okay with. Mm-hmm. Or, and not just okay with, but but yes, consent. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I I... The reason I, we use the words enthusiastic consent rather than just consent is that, you know, enthusiastic consent to me is 100%, you know, wide-eyed, yes, I'm on board, let's do this. Right. And, uh, and, and I have gotten that from the investors who've invested with us. Right. Um, and for people who aren't sure, there's no problem. You d- just, just like, you know, when, when we're talking about the types of different kinds of sex and different kinds of kinks, you know, you don't have to be in anything you aren't comfortable with and don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. And if we're really going to abide by those values, it has to go from everything from what we ask of people on the app to the way that we raise money to the way that we build the app. Right. You know, values are values are values no matter how you're applying them. I have two questions. I'm not sure which one to ask first. Uh, (laughs) Let's ask the boring one first. Okay. Um, So you have investors. Um, Are they all just individuals or? Small investors. Okay. So Mm -hmm. just individuals. Yep. In terms of, uh, it's funny, in terms of of bigger investors, and if we're talking about venture capitalist firms Mm -hmm. and things like that, uh, some of the uh, answers I've gotten have been, you know, 
this, it, it looks like it's a market that's, you know, when we're talking in business terms now, right? it looks like it's a market that, that uh, could be open to something like this. It looks like you might have a corner in it. If you do it right, um, this, this could be a business. How do you monetize it? Do you have to pay to be on it? Right now? Oh, no. It's going to be free. Yeah. And it's always the, the alpha version, you know, and the updated versions after that are always going to be free. We are going to be adding in a premium service to it that's going to have a bunch of different options for you in terms and i don't want to get into the specifics of those yet Mm -hmm. but uh that people can have to you know make the app much more engaging for them um for five dollars a month or something like that right and that'll be sometime in the fall or winter when we're we're ready to do that um but the app for people who want to use the app for the basic use of the app it will be free so when it's launched Mm -hmm. i download the app yep and is it going to be a swiping yes. sort of system? Okay, mm-hmm. so I swipe. So what if I'm a person that's not even looking for something necessarily sexual? Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for something kinky, but I don't want to be expected to do anything. It's just more of a thing to do, an activity rather than a romantic or sexual thing of nature. Right. Well, one of the one of the things we're going to do is that uh, we're going to have a whole list of uh, kinks that you can say that you're into. And uh, when you're swiping, it, you're going to have, all it's going to say is that you are, uh, you have, let's say, three kinks in common, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not going to know what those three kinks are, are mm-hmm. that you have in common until you've matched, you know, until there's a, because I don't want, you know, just for anybody, if you don't match to know what you're into. Right. Um, and so, you know, what, once you've matched, then your common kinks are going to be apparent to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but it'd have to be like, like if, if you like tying someone up and then yep. she would have to be someone that likes being tied. That was, that was a big part of the coding. Right. And why it took a while. And Alice has really done a good job with that because mm-hmm. that was the first thing, you know, we can't have a submissive person being matched with a submissive person. That's, that just doesn't work. But if you have, you know, intelligence and you, you want to match with someone who's intelligence, there are some that are going to be uh linked as the same thing and there are sums that have to be opposite that are linked as the same thing right and uh that was you know a big part of the job who invented computer coding they'd probably be spinning around like what how do i do this (laughs) and the funny thing was you know i told alice that and she you know nodded her head and said okay let me try something and uh a few months later she did it. it 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 worked that's great. So, and I, I'm not a coding engineer, so I don't know how she did it. Right. It's like I don't know how meditation works. I just smile and nodded and said, "Great, <laughs> awesome." So the philosophy behind the app is there. The app is coming out. Mm-hmm. And how is it going with the user base? Right now, we have a few hundred people who've signed up on the website itself. Uh, we are in the process of doing, you know, different podcasts and mm-hmm. different uh, media blitzes. We're talking with friends of ours and or friends of friends who work at on different blogs, on uh, different media sources, uh, and getting articles written. Really, and the important thing is not just the app, but getting the conversation going mm, around right. kink and sex. Because, you know, a, a quick funny story, when I was starting this and I was looking into, you know, kink and and just sexual taste, there is tons of information out there about the science of sex and how it works. But when we're talking about people, you know, sexual tastes and being, there's very little. There's very little. And so, you know, getting this conversation of not just are you having sex, but, you know, what are you into? Why do you think, what do you enjoy? Why do you, getting those conversations going on, you know, hopefully on some of these uh, media outlets is is to me just as important as as promoting the app itself because right. we're we're looking for not just an app but you know a cultural shift in how we talk about sex and sexuality and express that you know and that you are you are okay just the way you are in being in what you're into. Well, that's good. So you're mar- you're really marketing. Not to not hope this doesn't sound like I'm just diminishing it, but you're not kind of marketing a philosophy. Yeah, which is like 101 of marketing. Mm-hmm. Apple doesn't market. Uh, a product they market a lifestyle sure sure yeah yeah and and it's 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 something we you know when we were coming up with the groundwork for this it's like you know i don't i'm i'm bored by just building an app 
Like right. that's that's not interesting to me. Right. Uh, what is interesting to me is is the possible cultural shift that that could take place if this thing grabs hold, mm -hmm. and the conversations that could be had, and the way people can express themselves. And uh, you know, just like I struggled to you know for for years, you know, figuring out what's okay and what's not okay, and and how to do that. Um, hopefully, you know, we can we can offer that opportunity to anyone who wants it. Sounds like you're on your way to do doing that and we're, doing it already. Really, we're, we're figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, we're putting it together. I'm just, I'm, I'm. It's, it's, it's. You know, a year, a year and a half of a lot of talking and a lot of you know groundwork and a lot of value system and building the app and figuring it all out and and it's. I'm. We're excited. There used to be a saying: uh, "If you build it, they will come." Yeah, that is so not. Nope. applicable no. anymore <laughs> there's a lot of people building a lot of things a lot of great things yeah and uh um you gotta it's gotta all out there all about getting the word out you gotta there. get it and not just not, not just the what but the why mm. you know mm -hmm. why you know so so for instance even something as simple as my chamber music series you know why do that you know, because there aren't a ton of them in the New York area, especially like startup ones. You know, there's Lincoln Center and and their whole thing. But, you know, it was important to me that I am able to, as a cellist, express music the way that I want to express it and allow my really talented friends to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's why we get together for rehearsal. I'm not saying I'm the artistic director. We're playing Ravel this way. It's 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 a communication and it's a collaboration and and maybe you know i we didn't play it exactly the way that i wanted to play it but i've got this great group of people who are smart and see things differently than i do so let's collaborate and come together with something great mm -hmm. and it usually ends up being pretty great and so a lot of those same fundamentals are are right here in building this company that's pretty great stuff i thank you um, so the, the launch date is not set, but sometime May or June. It's gonna be sometime in May or June. We're mm -hmm. very close, you know. People could sign up on the website trykinkton.com. Trykinkton.com. Uh, there's a button that says "Kink Me In," mm -hmm. and that'll send you down to the bottom, and uh, you can fill out your information, email, things like that, so we can be in contact with you. Um, and then very soon we'll be sending out the application, which you can fill out, which will be a little bit more detailed, and mm -hmm. then we will be onboarding users in the new york area excellent so we're very excited thanks so much thank you it was a pleasure yeah it's exciting to see what's going to happen and uh maybe have you back when it's rocking and rolling i would love that thank you for having me on really appreciate it awesome luke thanks thank you